we are finishing up a four-part series called Live Kind. Will you turn to the person next to you and say, Live Kind? <laughs> no, you can do better than that. Say it like a teacher. Say, Live Kind. Look, yeah, there you go. Raise an eyebrow or something like that. There you go. And so if we could review for just a moment, uh, our first week, uh, if, in case you weren't here, our first week, uh, the, we were talking all about the kindness that we need to have within the church. We started there because, you know, a lot of times church is not a kind place. It's not a place where you feel acceptance and not a place you feel grace and mercy and warmth and not a place you feel like you can be spiritually naked. And we use that term around here all the time because, you know what, at the end of the day, you just you. And I'm just me. You got your mistakes. I got my mistakes. Come on, somebody. And might as well stop pretending we don't have them. And let's just be honest. And so we're talking about how we, the church, need to be kind within our own ranks, within our own midst. Then we moved from there the second week, and Miss Jamie preached. She did so good. And she was talking about loving our neighbor or being kind to our neighbor. And she did the whole, you know, Mr. Rogers neighborhood. How many of you were here for that? Wasn't that awesome? She did so good. And then last week, I moved us into kindness actually starts at home. And that we need to, uh, we need to be careful uh, with the words that we use with our spouses, with our children, with our parents, and how you and I can actually be kind at home. Today, as we move into our last week, we're talking about today, live kind in our communities. Everybody say communities. No, you can do better than that. Say communities. All right, so this man had died, and he's standing at the pearly gates, and St. Peter's standing there with him. He starts interviewing him. He says, you know, it's really difficult to get in heaven. You've got to be sure that you've done a lot of great things. And so he asked the guy, he goes, for example, did you attend church when you were alive on the earth? He goes, no, I didn't. Said, St. Peter, that's going to be a mark against you. He said, what about good deeds? Did you do a lot of good deeds while you were on the earth? He said, no, I didn't really do too many good deeds. He says, oh, man, that's not too good. Were you kind to people? Were you kind to your neighbor? Did you, did, you, did you try to be nice to people? He goes, no, I don't think I have. He said, come on. After all those years of being alive, you didn't do anything kind for anybody? And the guy thought for a moment. He goes, well, there was this time. He said, I was in, in our little town, and I came out of the store, and there was this little old lady who was standing there, and all of a sudden, man, the hell's angels came up on their motorcycles, and they got off their motorcycles and they started rousing her, pushing her around, took her purse and threw it on the ground and started pushing her all around. I got so mad. I threw my groceries on the ground and I ran over there and I pushed them all out of the way and I picked up her purse, put it on her shoulder and sent her down the, down the pathway and I looked up at the biggest guy there and said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. And I spit in his face. Woo, St. Peter said, that's amazing. He said, how long ago was that? He goes, oh, it was about five minutes ago. So as we talk about living kind today, it may end up killing you, I don't know, but we're going to jump into it, being kind in our communities. we got a key scripture today, and it's found in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, if you'll hold your finger there while I pray. Father, thank you for the privilege to present your word. Lord, I pray that, Lord God, that today I would do your word justice. Your word does need any help. It stands on its own. And, Lord God, may I present it, Lord God, as you meant it to be presented. And, Lord, may truth come forth. Lord, I rebuke every plan of the enemy to steal. I pray that men and women in this room would have a revelation, supernatural understanding of what you intend for their lives and what your expectation is on how they can be full of grace and mercy and kindness towards others. And so it's with that we say, come, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. I'm going to speak really fast for all you guys that speak uh, English as a second language. I'm so sorry. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around, and everybody say it out loud, doing good. Say it with me, doing good. Try it again, doing good good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Jesus came to this world and he did good. He didn't do good just with his 
brothers and sisters. He didn't do good just in the circle of believers. He went around everywhere throughout the community and did good, healing them of their diseases, fixing their problems. This is the Jesus in which we serve. And so as we dive in today, I'm going to keep kind of looking at this, um, at this Zechariah passage. So go ahead and turn to Zechariah chapter 7. And as you turn to Zechariah chapter 7, I grew up in a church um, where I'm from in Louisiana that uh, ended up being about a 10,000 member church uh, in weekly attendance. Um, when I started that church, it was about 2,000 people, and man, it was just a great, a great church, and, and uh, we built a 6,000-seat sanctuary just a few years uh, into me attending that church, and it was a city of about 12,000, great little community right outside of the capital city of the state that I'm from. It was a great city, great church. It was multiracial, a lot like Cedar Hill. It was beautiful and wonderful, and the school was awesome, and they were a 5A high school, and they always won the football, uh, you know, uh, state championships, and, and their cheerleaders were sweet and awesome and cutesy and multiracial and fun and ha 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 and and I mean just the coolest police department and great houses being built and and just you know public golf course just a great city to grow up in and then as we were there, you know, our church began to grow and explode, and we began to get national and international exposure. People began to fly in on their private jets to see how can a church be this big, 10,000 people at this point, in a little small community like this. And people were coming from the major cities around us and things like that, and we were just on the, off, uh, the outskirts of, a, of the capital city. It was awesome. And man, listen, our pastor had been a missionary, and so his big vision was go to the world, go to the world. And boy, that bore witness with me. I love the world. I love going to other cultures and preaching the gospel. All, all, all I ever really wanted to be was a, was, a, was a missionary who planted churches all over the world. And that just, man, I loved that, and it was awesome. And then, so we left that city and uh, moved here to Texas about uh, 15 years ago. Well, probably about four or five years ago, I went back home, uh, as I would do it periodically. But this time, when I went back to my home city, something was horribly different. The, the church that I had been a part of, this big mega church with a giant, you know, auditorium and giant facilities and basketball gyms and, and all these things. They had focused their attention and started another campus down in the south part of town where all the white flight had gone, where all the new neighborhoods were popping up, where all the new development was happening. And they had burst some other campuses and other areas like that and basically had all but abandoned this one area. And as they did that, what transpired was that city began to die. Come on, somebody. It began to die. And what happened is I went back the last couple years. I, the city's terrible. There, there's trash in all the medians. The, the Walmart, you feel like you're going to get stabbed at any moment. I mean, it's white trash, ghetto, mixed. I, it was just, it's just terrible. The, the property value has just plummeted. The school is in shambles. The, the, the little the ISD there. And, and nobody wants their kids in those schools. They pull them out of them, putting them in private schools. And the city is dying and becoming a ghost town just like a Detroit all because, in my opinion, because the church stopped loving its community. Not so with Church on the Hill. Come on, somebody. So as you found Zechariah chapter 7, I'm going to give you part of the vision of this church as well as reason why we're doing block parties today. Zechariah chapter 7. Did you find it? Say yes. If you got it, say I got it. If you're looking, say I'm looking. If you don't know where it's at, just hold on. Here we go. It says, and the word of the Lord came to Zechariah again. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Administer, administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. In your hearts, do not think evil of each other. What's he talking about? Be kind to everybody, guys. Come on. That's what he's saying. Verse 11. 
but they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly, they turned their backs and stopped up their ears. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by his spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. When I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I'm not going to listen. How about that, Jesus? Says the Lord Almighty, verse 14. And I... And I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations where they were strangers. The land was left so desolate behind them that no one could come or go. And this is, uh, this is how they made the pleasant land desolate. Now, let me explain to you what's transpired. So if you've ever saw, you know, Ten Commandments on TV or uh, I think, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Disney did a version of it, the Ten Commandments. What was it? Moses or uh, Prince of Egypt. And, and what, what transpired was God's people, the Israelites, had, uh, had been rebellious. And so they became uh, slaves to Egypt. And Egypt treated them horribly as slaves for 500 years. God brought a deliverer through Moses. Moses came and delivered them out. And as they came out, they went into the wilderness area for 40 years. And the reason why is because even though they came out of Egypt, Egypt was still in them. And so God said, everybody over 20, I can't change your bad attitude. It seems like you won't get delivered from your rebellion. You still have a poverty mentality. You still think you're slaves on the inside. And you love the old foreign gods of Egypt. And so as a result, I'm just going to have to wait till you die off. I'm going to bring your children in. And so that's what transpired for 40 years. So they all died off that were bitter and all those who were stiff-necked. Come on, some of you are wondering why God won't move. He's trying to kill you off because you won't change. I'm sorry. Anyway, and so, and so what he did was he took the 20-somethings and all those guys that were younger and he brought them into the promised land. But when they came into this promised land, and this was the land that God had been prophesying, I love you so much. I'm going to give you a land that's going to be flowing. And the Bible calls it with milk and honey. That's not very valuable to me, but in those days that was something valuable. I guess that would translate more like this. It's going to have beautiful roads, going to have amazing housing and buildings, and the infrastructure is going to be phenomenal and better than anybody else. It's going to be high tech and sexy all at the same time. Come on, somebody. And so I'm going to build you a place. I'm going to have a promised land like that for you where you will prosper. So after all those years of wandering around in the wilderness, they come into the promised land, but there are 32 kings, 32 kingdoms still there, and they have to fight them off. And that's where you get that scripture. One will put to flight a thousand. That's not talking about spiritual warfare that's talking about they talk about in e, uh, when they came in the promised land god so anointed them that the people were so scared that one guy come out want this house and a thousand people would take out fleeing that's what it's talking about we can't apply it to spiritual warfare but that's not the initiation of it and so as a result they come in they run off all the bad people and now i want you to picture this imagine you loved atlanta and you and we decide to move to church there and it's our promised land we move into a community and we run off everybody and we take their houses their cars their pools come on somebody we take their schools and we just occupy we did not build it. We did not plan for it. We did not sacrifice for it. Somebody else did. And that's what transpired. Now, after years of living in this blessing, there's so, it's so wonderful of a miracle, just like we experience with get, receiving this building from the Lord. All this blessing, guess what happens? They become selfish. They become holding it into themselves and say, you know what? Bless God. God gave us this. We had to fight off all the devils. And what about the poor people? Well, they should have been fighting. They need to go get a job like we had to have a job. And I tell you what, I'm not giving them nothing. I gave everything back in the early days, and I'm not giving nothing else. I'm just going to enjoy where I'm at and I'm going to keep prospering. And God comes to them time after time with prophets and says, shame on you. Stop it. Start being kind to your community. Start taking care of the poor people. Start taking care of the fatherless and the widows. Start being nice to one another. Stop gossiping and slandering against everybody in the community and start being healthy again. And they said, no, we won't do it. And so God said, okay, watch this. Pow! Smack, smack, smack. 
and, di- and another kingdom comes in and destroys the Israelites and they flee in all different directions. Can I tell you something? When you don't fight for your community, when you as a Christian, when we as a church don't get into our community and show kindness to the poor and do outreach to those who are hurting and who are in need, what happens is God says, I'm I'm sick and tired of it. And so you know what? I'm going to dry you up and disband everyone. You know why churches are dying across America? Not because they don't have good strategies. Not because, because, you know, they're not not, uh, good buildings and things like that. It's because they stop loving the hurting people of the world. They stop being kind to their communities. Are you with me? Say yes. And that's what's transpired. And so just like we see it in the Old Testament, let's look at what happened in the New Testament as the Lord begins to pour out his spirit in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is this moment Jesus has died, he's resurrected, he's ascended into heaven, and he told all his disciples, he said, listen, I want you to go and I want you to wait in Jerusalem for the promised gift. Joel chapter 2, and I'll pour out my spirit on your sons and daughters and your old men will see dreams and young men will prophesy. Uh, see visions, yeah, there you go, close enough. And so he says, go and wait for that and I'm going to pour out my spirit. And so they go and they're sitting in the upper room and they're sitting there just singing, Kumbaya, my Lord, Kumbaya. And they're just singing and all of a sudden, book of Acts chapter 2 says, and a mighty rushing wind begin to come through the place. Kumbaya. It starts coming through the place and then they look around and it seems as what they call tongues of fire come and rest on their head and they begin to speak in other tongues. They begin to prophesy. They think it's hit all of Israel. They think all of Jerusalem has had this experience. So they go walking out and as they start walking, they're kind of tipsy because the Spirit of the Lord's all over them and they walk out and there's this parade kind of festival going on. Uh, It's the day of Pentecost so people are in from all over the country. Uh, all over the countries around. Uh, it'd be kind of like you guys from New Orleans. It'd be like Mardi Gras, but without all the demons. And so they're all standing out there, you know, and they see all these guys, and they're prophesying, and they're saying things in other languages, and they're like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. These guys must be drunk. And they stand up and say, no, we're not drunk. This is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel, that he would pour out his spirit. And so next thing you know, Peter stands up there, the little timid Peter, he starts preaching, and 3,000 people get saved. It's crazy. It's on. It's the early church being birthed and it's on fuego and so we'll pick up in verse 42 and this is a core passage for this church church on the hill you'll hear me say this a lot over the years that you're going to be with us because this is who we are in verse 42 it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer and everyone was filled with awe everybody said awe Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions. They did what? They sold their possessions. Man, I don't need this extra car. I can get by with just this bicycle. I'm going to sell the car, and I'm going to help you, man, because you ain't even got, you don't even have a bicycle. Selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. The the supposition here is not that it's just to the body of believers, but to anyone around. The dude down the street that ain't even a Christian yet. To anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47 is where we're focusing today. Praising God, and look at it, and enjoying the favor of just a few of the people. And enjoying the favor of some of the people. And enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily to those which were being saved. All the people. This is what happened. They began to have this experience on the inside of them. And they said, we found what life is about. It's not about 
accumulating nice things. It's not about the first one till the top wins. We've experienced the living God. His power has come inside of us in such a way that, man, all we want to do is help people. And these 120 plus 3,000 begin to give stuff away, begin to sell their possessions and help people. And what it did was it changed their city. The city started looking around going, look at these guys. Because now all of a sudden, the little crackhead down the street, they grabbed him. They laid hands on him, got him free. They moved him in because he didn't have any place to live without being around his bad friends. And now all of a sudden, they're discipling him. He's getting free. And they're fixing the city. Now crime is going down. Come on, somebody. Now all of a sudden, business is going up because this is a safe place. And it says, and they found favor with everybody. The whole city was like, dude, those are the peeps right there. Do you know? that in most cities around the nation, they can't stand churches? Do you know why? Well, let's start with just some of the practical. Do you understand the reason how we pay for our firemen, our policemen and women, how we pay for the streets, and all the things that a city provides is through taxes? Well, churches are nonprofits. They're off the tax roll. So there are no taxes being paid on this church to the city. So yet, yet the firemen, if, if the building catches on the fire, the firemen have to come and put it out even though we didn't pay for it. And so what happens is a city says, well, that church goes, and guess what churches do? They buy the best property. And they get all the people together and gather all their money, and they buy the best property. And guess what? They don't do anything positive for the city, but just the opposite. They take away from them. And so then what happens is, then the church gets all mad about something, and they get all their members to go out on social media and talk about about the city folks. And then what happens is, they talk bad about the school system, and they start all their own little private schools and homeschooling because the school system's so terrible. Friend, listen to me. God is trying to bring us back to this moment where they begin to love their community so much that the community says, whatever they want, that whatever they're doing, we give them whatever they want. They're such a vital part of who we are. Are you with me? Say yes. And that's who Church on the Hill is. We started this church. We didn't start this church to have buildings and stuff. Only reason we got a building is because you wouldn't come the rest of the way. So I just went ahead and got a building so you would come. <laughs> and so we started this church. Guess what we did? We went to every event that the city had and served. Handing out water bottles. We'd do whatever we Picking up trash. Whatever they needed us to do. We were just there serving. I mean, we just had the time of our life serving. We thought, this is what it's supposed to be about. And we kept growing, and God kept blessing us, and we needed a home, and God gave this to us now. And we're going to continue to do that, and that's who we are. And guess what? In this community, we have a good name. You know why we have a good name? Because we're fighting for blessing the city instead of the city having to have this issue with us because all we do is take. In fact, if you're out there trying to raise funds to go on a mission trip, and you knock on the door of a business, and say, I only touch on the hill. I just want to know if you can make a donation. I will stab you in the throat. Because we're not going and taking, we're giving. Come on, somebody. We're not looking to always be poor as us, poor as us. Can you help us? That's been the problem. In fact, I never forget meeting with finance people and, uh, and as a pastor trying to get a loan for a facility. And they said, you know what our frustration is with you? I said, what? They said, you don't pay taxes. And so as a result, you go get the best property and you want us to finance it. And then guess what? It kills, it kills all the business in that area because now you're a church and you can't have any alcohol anywhere close to you. And you can't have all these issues. And so people, it kills the finances and the movement of a city. I want to tell you something. 
Boston. I'm in a city right here where the mayor believes Jesus Christ is Lord and proclaims it everywhere he goes. Where the city council says, you know what, this is a city that's going to fight for Jesus and we're going to stand up for the Lord. We're in a city and an area where people literally are saying, let's bring forth the community of God and let's act, take the church and the city and let's partner it and let's see transformation. Do you know why my city that I grew up in is dead? Because at some point along the way, that church says, you know what, all the money people, all the, all the new people, all the cool new areas are down there, so we're going to abandon this and we're going to do that. And let me tell you something. Do you remember, uh, in, uh, some of you are old enough to remember, in the 80s, in the early 80s, Irving, Texas was the hottest city in the nation to go live in. Anybody know where Irving is at up the street? Irving, Texas, was, uh, they had, the, they had the, just the Cowboy Stadium was just down the road from them. It was the hottest place. Property value was through the roof. Man, all the cool people were building houses 30 years ago. Now, 30 years later, that's not the cool place. Now, they're all going South Lake, and they're all going these new communities. Can I tell you something? Those communities at some point will not be the cool place anymore either. What we need to do is stop chasing all the cool new stuff and make something viable right where we're at. Make something beautiful right where we are and stop running and chasing all these dreams. Because guess what happens? There's a string of dead churches all along following the people. Instead of following the people, we need to call the people to righteousness. We need to call our communities and secure our communities. I believe that we can mix cultures. Somebody say amen. I believe that we can take poor people and rich people and put them in the same room and worship Jesus together and have all of our needs met. I believe that we can take white folk, black folk, Hispanic folk, Asian folk, put us all in a room together and we can worship Jesus and make our city great and raise our kids together. Come on, somebody. But you're not going to do that until you fight for your schools. You're not going to do that as a church until you fight for for quality uh, control and things like that in the city movement and things like that and go serve. And until you do that, all we're doing is talking noise, blah, 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 blah. And I think it's time to show kindness to our communities by being what they were in the New Testament. Are you there? Say yes. So let me give you a couple of thoughts on how we're going to go about doing that. Are you still there? Do you love me? Do you still listen? Okay, good. And here's kindness in our community. Let me tell you a couple ways we're going to go about doing that. Number one, we're going to start showing gratefulness for those who serve in our communities. We're going to start showing gratefulness. In 1 Samuel chapter 25, the story of David, Nabal, and his wife, Abigail. Now, what's happened is David, I'll just give you a quick lesson for you guys who have no idea what I'm talking about. David had been running away from Saul. He's a man of God. God's anointed him to be king, but he's not in that position yet. Saul's trying to kill him. So David's got his little group of five, 600 guys, and they're out living in the, in the wilderness, out in the woods, hiding in caves and things like that. Well, while they're out there, this guy, Nabal, he's, he's a rich guy, and he's got all these flocks and all these herds and all these guys who work for him. And they're out there feeding their sheep out in the fields way out in the middle of nowhere. Well, David, every night, would camp around these, these flocks and would never steal anything. He and his men would protect them from any of the bad guys that might be trying to come and steal or raid or destroy them. He would protect against them. And this went on for months and months. Then at Christmas time, we'll just call it that, at the time where it came to shear the sheep, the, usually what they would do is they would kill some of the best sheep and they would have a big festival. It was festival time. And so David sent 10 of his young men to go talk to, to Nabal and say, hey, Nabal, we've been out there protecting you. We've been out there protecting your interests. Do you mind if maybe our men could also have a little bit of extra food and have a little celebration? Could you send us some of, some of, your, some of your sheep so we could eat them? It'd be awesome. And so they, the, little, the men show up and Nabal goes, who the heck is David? I don't know him. He ain't done nothing for me. You get out of here. And so those 10 guys take off. Well, about that time, one of uh, Nabal's servants goes to his wife, Abigail, and says, hey, um, um, your husband uh, just got us killed. What are you talking about? You know, David's got all these five, 600 men out there, twice as many people as we have. He just slapped him in the face and disrespected him. 
And so as a result, I'm telling you, he's going to come kill us all. So Abigail goes crazy. She's like, forget my husband. He's a loser. Go get this. Kill that one. Bake this one up. I want you to fry up a good turkey. Come on, somebody. Fry a turkey. For and then and I want you to get all these figs and all. And they started loading them on donkeys, and they started going down the highway. About that time, the men show up to David. David's like, he said, what? Oh, no, he did not. Let's go, fellas. And they're riding And they're riding to go kill this guy and all his people. You won't give me what what I deserve? Okay, I'm going to take it then and kill you in the process. And about that time, he comes around the corner, and there's Abigail. And David... And she goes, oh, David, you are so wonderful. Oh, my husband is an idiot, stupid head. And I have come here today to to repent on his behalf. And please don't kill all of us and don't kill his sorry self. And here's a gift and da-da-da. And David looks at her and he says, this day you have done righteous and kept me from being unrighteous and in my anger going and killing this guy. He receives the gift and he said, girlfriend, if only you wasn't married. And he rides off. As they come back and they tell Nabal what happened, he has a heart attack and dies. And David gets where he's like, I'll be right back, guys. See you in just a second. He said, come on, girlfriend, number two, you're coming home with me. And he gets it all anyway. It's amazing. But it all transpires because that joker was ungrateful. Can I tell you something? You are doing your children damage by not teaching them to show gratefulness to their teacher, to show gratefulness to, to the police officers, to show gratefulness to the little lady who's serving at the table. You're doing yourself an injury. Listen, can I just say this? If you don't have money to tip, go to McDonald's. Don't go to a restaurant where you sit down. Don't do it. These people are dying, and you're sitting there, ble- oh, we're just talking about Jesus, and you're being rude to them, and they're trying to give you water, and you're like, are you interrupting me? Okay, I'm trying to preach right here. And what you're doing is showing ungratefulness, and as a result of that, you're putting yourself in danger with the Lord, and it's killing our community. It's killing our community. If the Christians will go through the community and show gratefulness, say, thank you for what you do. Hey, thank you, guys. Thanks for taking out the trash. Thank you for picking up the trash. And at Christmas, leave them a little something. You leave them something. Bless them. Go out there and give them 20 bucks. God bless you, sir. I know you do this, and, and you're just trying to provide for your family. Show some gratefulness in our community for the people who serve our community and trying to make it a good community. Instead of griping about it and complaining about it, get up in there and let's show some gratefulness and build our community and show some kindness. Are you with me? Say yes. All right. You didn't got me fired up. Number two, and that is if we're going to build our community, show kindness in our community, we need to show respect for those in leadership. We, know we need to show respect for those in leadership. Look what this passage says in Romans 13, 1. Everyone must submit to the governing authorities. For there is no authority. Everybody say no authority. There is no authority except that which... Uh-oh. Shut up. For there is no authority except that which God has established. Lord, you did not put Obama in his position. There is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Listen, you don't understand scripture. You say, oh, but you don't understand. That person is evil. That person is, I don't respect them because they're not respectable. That's your problem. Jesus didn't say respect those who are respectable. He said respect those who are in authority. He put them there. And not only that, but it's going to teach you something. So I don't like this one. I don't like that. You live in the United States of America. Vote them out. 
He said, well, I don't think this and I don't have things. Run for office, Mr. Righteous Person. And if you don't like what we got, we, we voted them in. We voted in. It's because you're inactive. You're not involved in the community. You don't even know what's going on, but you're sitting around listening to, to Fox News and complaining about stuff. Get involved. Show some love. Show some kindness to our community. And let's build a city. Let's build communities that they say, I love that church. Those people are the real deal. This place is thriving, and businesses are coming in, and schools are exploding, and people are excited, and people are hanging out and going places together. And the love of God is shown abroad in our midst. Come on, friends. That's what it's supposed to look like but it won't happen as long as we show disrespect you know why you have what you had in ferguson because you had two parties that disrespected each other that's what you got you got two parties that disrespected each other and when you and i disrespect each other we cause ourselves conflict trouble and and, and difficulties and it leads to murder it, it leads to selfish ambition envy and all those pieces every kind of evil the bible says but if you and i will show respect to those in authority you say pastor they wrong I'm, maybe they are that's fine. But God allows that to be in place because probably you're learning something, and that is to submit to a person who shouldn't be there. And then what you do is you pray, and you show kindness, and then guess what you do? You run for their position. There you go. Listen, I, I had an experience recently, just a couple days ago, where a person in authority, we called them out. We had something happen here, and so one, one of these people came over, and uh, they were interacting with Pastor Jonathan. I walked up as soon as I could get here. I said, hey, guys, what's going on here? Is everything okay? And the person looked at me and said, who are you? I know y'all have killed the flesh, but mine's still a little bit left, just a little bit. And it started, who am I? I'm a pastor. I'll slap you. I'm the one who called you, stupid. I mean, that's it's stirring inside of me. And I said, I said well, well I'm, I'm, I'm the pastor here, and, and uh, I'm the one who called you and stuff. And he looks at me and goes, so am I supposed to talk to you or to this person? I said, well, listen, you just keep doing what you're doing, man. God bless you. Because I'm in a kind series right now. It won't make a good sermon illustration if I do what I want to do right now. I'll mess it all up. So I'm just back on out. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. It took everything within me. Everything. Guess what? He's just having a bad day. He just made a mistake. It's okay. I'm not going to be mad at every person that holds that type of position now. You're all alike. All of you. All of you. I'm not going to profile that from this point forward. That's where we're making our mistakes. That's where our kindness has been lost. And that's why we have communities that are dying. Not this community. Not as long as I'm here. Not this church. Because we're going to be the church. And we're going to do just like the book of Acts. And we're going to get out there. And we're going to love unconditionally. We're going to give. We're going to serve. We're going to be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. And guess what we're going to have? Favor with all the people. That's what it looks like. Are you still there? Say yes. Come on. you sure? Say yes. A couple days ago... uh, uh, Josiah and I were driving down the highway. We're going to Louisiana. I was preaching at a church. We were running late. And I might have told you this. If I did, I'm old. And it's my story. I'll tell it again. And all of a sudden, this guy on a, on a, on a Harley Davidson started cir- that circle entrance on I-20. He was circling on with this big Harley motorcycle. And we were doing a, we were, we were going really fast, about 85 or so. But my angels are fast, so don't worry about me. I'm good. <laughs> And so, uh, and all of a sudden, man, this guy, we see him, he circles on, and man, he's, he's doing about 50, there are 18-wheelers in front of us, we're all doing about 80-ish more, and man, he hits the barricade and starts losing control, flips the motorcycle end over ear, and it starts flipping like this, and he starts sliding across all of us in our two lanes. There's nowhere to go. We're locking him up, 
and this guy, I still, it's angels of God. Somehow, I don't know if he went under the 18-wheeler. I still don't know how he's not a hood ornament. He slid on his backside, rolling, flipping, without a helmet on, all the way against the concrete barrier in the Midian. So we, we whip it over, hit our brakes, jump out. I go running over. I just, he doesn't have a helmet on. I'm like, his brains are coming out the back of his head. He's a dead man. I go running up, and he gets up. I was like, dude, you need to stand there. I start checking him, looking all around him. His face is all busted up. It's like meatloaf between his, his chin and his lip. He's, he's destroyed. He's skin all up. Big old white dude all bowed up, tatted all up. Some kind of little gang. I don't know, skinhead gang or something. I don't know. And uh, so, so, man, what's your name? My name is Chaos. <laughs> I was like, I'm thinking... For you are many. Shake. Come out, devil, in Jesus' name. I was ready to cast him out. He's big dude. Though. I was like, all right, we're going to cast him out. <laughs> and we're on I-20, man. Foo, 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 foo. Nobody stops. They're like, oh, look at that poor people. Foo, foo, foo. Y'all don't care, man. They're flying past us and stuff. And, and, so, um, and so we get to talking to him. He kind of comes to his senses. And, and so, I mean, I keep telling him, bro, I don't know if you believe in Jesus, but you better doggone because you should be a dead man. I still don't know how you're alive. I'm telling you, angels somehow guided you through that. I don't know how you came through all of our cars without getting hit. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not really receptive. And all of a sudden, I just have the sense of the Spirit of the Lord. I said, man, let me pray for you. Grab my hand. So he, so he puts his big old hand on me. His hand comes all the way to here, you know. Like, <laughs> and so I said, let me pray for you, bro. And so I start praying for him. And as I'm praying for him, I, got, I, I, I open my eyes. And I know the Spirit of the Lord had me open my eyes. And he's got, um, uh, United, I didn't realize he had a little patch, um, uh, a little stitch of uh, United States Marine Corps. He'd been in, in Marines. And all of a sudden, I started praying. I said, Lord, I want to thank you. This man stood on that wall and protected his country, protected us. I want to thank you for that. And man, when I said that, it was like the key to his heart. It unlocked it. I said, and Lord, we owe him. We owe this man. And today, Lord, you protected him even as he's protected our nation. And now, Lord, he owes you. <laughs> and he starts getting big tears. They start coming down his cheek. And all of a sudden, Josiah jumps in. He says, brother, I got a word from the Lord. He said, I got Jeremiah 29, 11. The Lord says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. He says, you've been running from God. You've been having night visions. And you're running from me. The guy starts crying. <laughs> this big old biker dude's crying. And I'm like, come on, Josiah. All of that happened because we showed him a little bit of respect for what he did for us and the gratefulness unlocked his heart. You fighting and you're mad with people and all that, just show them respect. Who cares? They don't deserve it. That's your problem. He didn't say give the respect and authority to those who deserve it. If that's the case, none of us would ever get to be an authority. Let's be honest. Come on now. And so you and I are training our children to do this, and that's why we have so much conflict in our cities. And we're going to keep having violence. Can I tell you something? Crackheads, if we'll reach out to them, get them saved, and get them loved on, they'll stop stealing. Crime rate will go down. Do you know that Cedar Hill has one of the lowest crime rates in the entire Metroplex? Did you know that? That's right. Mixing black folk, white folk, and Hispanic folk together, and we got lowest crime rate. You can keep your white flight. Do you know that we've got some of the best uh, ranked police officers and firemen, uh, firemen and women around the nation? Do you know they get? Uh, do you know our schools win blue ribbons for their education? You didn't know that, did you? We got some of the best. You know why? Because there's a group of us Christians who are fighting to make our community like Jesus would have it. When the church and the city come together, that community explodes. Businesses want to come. They want to raise their kids there. That's what people are fighting to get in here. That's why you understand. When I, when I went to move down here, I had one of the local big mega ministries tell me, don't do that. They said, don't plant a church down in that area. That area is already old and dead and dying. 
You want to go to a young community where all the young people are buying houses and brand new neighborhoods and things like that. Not only that, you don't want to go south of 30 because they all have a poverty mentality. That's what they told me because they had done their demographic research. I said, you know what? I want to go where people want to fight to keep something beautiful instead of running off every time it gets tough. And that's who we are. Oh, yeah. Come on, somebody. Say amen. <laughs> Last and final piece. Here it is. And that is if we're going to uh, show kindness and live kind in our communities, here's the next thing. Last thing we got to do. And that is we got to have kind acts to, to those who need it. We got to show kind acts. You know, we're not saved by works, but because we're saved, we show good works. Because I have the love of God living in me, I can't, I can't help but want to help people. And, and what's happened is the same thing that happened in the Old Testament, Zechariah, the, the, the children of Israel had gotten so blessed and they were so busy maintaining and managing all their blessing that they stopped caring about hurting people all around them in their community. Oh, well, they don't go to church with us. That's not my problem. Well, if they got saved, stopped doing drugs, then they wouldn't have this problem. And that's the very thing that God said, I'm going to judge you for that right there. See that? I'm going to judge you. You won't listen to me? I'm going to judge you for that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do away with you. I'm going to expose that, and I'm going to spread you out all over the world, and you're going to be taken down. The very promised land that I've been promising you for hundreds of years, I'm now taking it away from you because of one attitude, and that is selfish ambition and without any kindness extended to those who are in need. Do you understand? That's, he's not going to do that to me. He's not going to do that to this church. We're not going to do that. We're going to show kindness into our community, and we're going to serve, and we're going to give. That's why this thing that we're doing tonight, all that is, is to show all those teachers, all those parents, all those students, we love you. We're not going to be, we're not going to be witnessing to them. Do you, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? What well, do you? Well, you are in a church parking lot. Don't you dare smoke that cigarette. You'll burn in hell forever. We're not doing all that. We're going to show kindness. Man, we're just doing this because we love you. Thank you. Thank you for working hard as a parent to put your kid in a good school and, and doing homework with them later. And thank you for being a great... You're going you're gonna to show up here and you're going to help serve. And then guess what else you're going to do? You're going to find those teachers. You're going to find those administrators. Thank you for what you do. You understand how hard they work? You understand? They don't get paid for the 7 o'clock thing that they're doing or the lesson planning that they're doing at midnight. They're not getting paid for that. They're, only, they're not on the clock during those times. And then they're trying to love little Johnny. And some of you know little Johnny needs a lot of extra love. All right. So as we look... At this last piece, let me just tell you a little bit about Kind Acts. Now, some, some of you guys come from other churches, and so your concept of outreach, brother, we need to start an outreach ministry to the homeless, brother, and we need to do this. But no, that's not what we do. We take the model that we find out of Scripture. And what we do is we put everybody in small group relationships. Everybody in small group relationships being discipled, and that way we can expand ourselves by having new people come into those relationships instead of creating ministries. Every time you create a ministry, guess what you got to do? You got to create a budget for it. You got to create a leadership structure for it. Then guess what happens with that ministry? Somebody gets bored with it after a few weeks, and it starts to die out, and then we're trying to throw money at it to propagate it. I know what I'm talking about. I'm an expert, I promise you. So what we've done is going back to Scripture. We're putting everybody in small group life, and then what we've created and what we have is we have an outreach coordinator, Pastor uh, Josiah Stand up, wave at everybody. Josiah's over all of our outreach. So now what Josiah's doing is he's going from small group to small group. If he hadn't made it to yours, you need to track him down, get him to yours. He's going from small group to small group and say, listen, we got four areas that you can do outreach. You can go door-to-door witnessing, and I'll take you with a group of us and show you how to do it. You can go help the homeless. We got a homeless ministry that we support. Hey, we also have this other ministry that gives uh, food to the people who, uh, the food pantry here, and we can, you can go serve there and help hand out that food. Which one do you want to do this weekend? And he'll go from person to person, uh, excuse me, small group 
group to small group, and you get to do it together. Instead of creating a ministry, everyone gets to go visit the prison at some point over the next year or so. Everyone goes and feeds the homeless once or twice over the next two years or so. Everyone in our church rotates their small group through doing these outreaches, doing these ministries, and guess what? Then all of us get touched in the same way. Instead of the little group that says, we're the prison ministry, we're the, prison, we're the only ones who do it, we're especially. No, we take those guys who are especially, and they take each of us, and they take us as small groups and show us how to minister to that kind of capacity. That's what it should look like. That's, that's sustainable for not three years, not five years, but for hundreds and hundreds of years to come. And that's what we're creating. Are you with me? Say yes. And so that starts tonight. We're actually doing that tonight. This would be one of our outreaches, showing love to our community by taking care of these schools and blessing them. We'll spend a few thousand dollars just to have fun tonight and hang out. And so I want all of you to be there. With that being said, would you stand with me all across the room? I tried to speak as fast as I could. Whew. If you think you're tired of listening, you ought to be trying to speak that fast. But I'm, I'm just a few minutes past. I want you to close your eyes with me all across the room. And you've been so gracious. And as we close out this series, and we just kind of think about, we think about kind of living kind in our community. I want you to take a moment right where you stand. And if you have <clears throat> become selfish again, I mean, if you're borderline hoarder because you've got so much junk, when we've got people starving in this city and the surrounding cities, you might want to take a relook at what God wants to do with you. If you, uh, if you haven't been face-to-face with somebody who can't pay their bills in a while, it's probably time that we, we find something, a better way. If you find yourself sitting around complaining about all the problems in the city, and you haven't signed up for one board, you haven't picked up a stitch of trash on the side of the road, it's probably time to, to reevaluate. We want to find favor in our communities with all the people. And so we've got to be kind again. And we've got to give back because we've been blessed. We are living in our promised land. And because of that, the Lord requires of us that we show grace and mercy to those who haven't yet experienced his goodness. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to think about that for a moment. Ask yourself, Lord, where can I, where can I tighten up there? As you do that, I want to give an opportunity. Maybe you say, Pastor Adam, I'll be honest with you. You've been talking about kindness. And, you know, I, I, the truth of the matter is I'm here today and I'm away from God. I, I don't even think if I died today that I'd go to heaven. Listen, friend, don't leave like that. Don't, don't, don't leave this planet not knowing. Don't leave this service not knowing. I've got a good solution for you. You're just a prayer of way of asking Jesus to forgive you and wash you clean and come into your heart. And ask him to do something in you that'll change you forever. You can turn that down. And so, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're away from the Lord, I want to give you an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity to know the Lord. You say, Pastor Adam, that's me. I'm away from God. Would you just lift your hand and let me pray for you if that's you? I'll pray with you. Say, I'm, I'm away from God. I don't know God. I need to get back to him. God bless you, sir. Thanks for your, thank you for your honesty. About five seconds and then we'll move on. Is there anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. It's time to be right with the Lord. I've walked away from him. I want to come back. It's been three or four hands. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. I see your hand. A couple more seconds. Anybody else? Amen. Those that lifted your hands, I want to pray with you. I want to, I want to pray with you. Just reintroducing you to Jesus. There's nothing magical about the prayer. What's supernatural is that you admitted you needed God. 
That's what, it's already happened. Now all we're going to do is seal it with a prayer. In fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to pray this out loud with those who lifted their hands. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I confess I need you. I'm ashamed of what I've become, of how I've been living. And I ask you now, cleanse me. Free me from the shame and the guilt. I accept what Jesus Christ did on the cross, dying for my sins. And here and now, I declare, Jesus is my Lord. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I ask you to write my name in your book of life. And I promise to serve you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Would you keep your head bowed? Father, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand. Lord, I remember that moment where I said, yes, I need God. And I remember, Lord God, that feeling, that sensation. Is this really real? Do I need to do anything else? I felt as though I, that, I, that I needed to do more. But Lord God, then I had the understanding you did it all on a cross. And all I had to do was receive. And so, Lord, I pray that they would understand how to receive right now. Lord, let grace and mercy come over their heart. Let them understand they've been forgiven. Let them understand they don't have to perform. Let them understand it doesn't matter if they get money or don't get money or they go to church or not enough, that they are right with you. That's what this is about. And, Father, I pray right now that they would begin to grow in you and experience you in a fresh new way. Now, Father, I've turned my attention to every man and woman in this room, to this church. Lord God, as we're in this Live Kind series closing out, Lord, teach us to be kind to our community. God, help us, oh God, to love our police officers and love our city officials. Lord, show us, Lord God, how to be kind to the waitress at the, at the restaurant, Lord God. Show us how to be kind, oh God, to, to those teachers and those administrators, especially the ones that get under our skin. Lord, show us how to be kind, oh God, and how to bless our community, Lord God. Show us, oh God, what, what to do, Lord God, as a church, as a body of believers. May every small group, Lord God, Lord, find themselves looking into the eye of a homeless man and praying for them and showing them kindness and giving them food. Lord, may every person in this church experience in the next six months to nine months, oh God, experience what it's like to get out there and help somebody build their fence back up that's been torn down and help somebody cut that grass because they're disabled and they can't cut it anymore. Oh God, may we find favor with all the people because we're being like you. Thank you, God. Now let kindness abound. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen.